say uh, wrong things or do wrong things. And, it, and it's not, not so much about, um, you know, we're not going to beat anybody up for any, anything like that. Just welcome to the human race, you know, that you've got those struggles to do those things. Uh, but oftentimes I, I find where people almost justify kind of their incorrect thoughts or actions. And they'll say things like, well, I'm working on it or, you know, I'm trying or, uh, and, you know, the, the problem with that is, you know, as Christians, we have the advantage that we've got the Spirit of God on the inside of us, right? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you every day. And, and His great joy is to show us how to live a life full of, of, of happiness and perfection and no sin and no, no problems in our life. And if we follow His lead, which, you know, of course, we have to follow His lead. If we follow His lead, there's only, there's only blessings ahead of us. Amen? Nothing else. Uh, but, you know, the world doesn't live that way. The world lives like, you know, if you make me mad, you know, you're on my list till forever. And, uh, and well, I couldn't help it. I just had to say that. Well, I couldn't help it. I just had to do that. Uh, and I was just thinking about, you know, how, how do we break out of that cycle? How do you get out of that cycle of, of doing that? And, and actually, I think in this morning's service, we'll talk some more about that in detail. But uh, the Lord just kind of brought me to, to this particular verse here. This is in Galatians 2, 20 and 21. Uh, and I know we know these verses. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And uh, for, for me personally, what I have found that works really well in my life is uh, I always have in, in my heart, the back of my mind and my heart, uh, before I say something, before I do something, what's my biblical foundation of why I'm doing that or why I'm saying that? Uh, do I have a biblical basis for that, right? Well, I'm trying to get over that. Is there any biblical basis for you trying to forgive somebody? Well, there's no biblical basis for trying. You just forgive them, right? You don't, you know, if you're still working at it a year from now, six years from now, you know, even six minutes from now, you're probably outside the will of God, amen? But people say that, but really what we're doing oftentimes is we say those things so we can justify staying in that place, right? Well, I, I, I can't do that. Well, see, that's a justification because that's not really true. The love of God lives on the inside of you. You can do anything, right? I mean, if the love of God's really there, the agape love, God kind of love that's in you, he said it's in you when you got born again. If you yield to that, there's nothing you can't forgive. There's nothing you can't overcome. There's nothing you can't uh, uh, accomplish in your life. But we have to have a strong desire, Lord, before I say that, before I do that, do I have a right to say that or do that from your word? And see, what I have found in my life is, is so many times, the same temptation comes to me that, that comes to the whole world, right? Nobody, nobody's exempt from these things. But uh, there's always a check in my heart that you don't have a biblical basis for that statement. You don't have a biblical basis for that action. You don't have a right to say that or do that. And, and see, that, uh, then I yield to that. I yield to that check. I, well, then, I'll, then I can't say it. Then I can't do it. Uh, and, and what you'll find is if you can live that way, you know, that starting out that's really tough right because there's such a struggle of well i want to say it i want to do it uh, versus well i know i shouldn't say it i know i want to do it uh, but if you can train yourself to do that that you know lord i don't have a i just don't have a biblical basis for that i, I don't have a right to do that uh, to even even things that are not even just, you know like deep dark sin but just you know uh, you know i'm just i'm just not going to work today i'm going to call it i'm going to call in sick i just don't feel like working today i'm going to call in sick well are you sick? Well, no, I just don't want to work today. Well, do you have a biblical basis for lying to your employer, right? Do you have a, 
a biblical foundation says it's okay to do that. Well, you don't. So, so what's your alternative? Then I've got to go to work, right? I mean, there's, you know, you then see, and what you'll do, what'll happen is if you'll find in those times to do what, what your flesh thinks is a hard thing, it's not a hard thing, but your flesh thinks it's a hard thing. If you'll press in and do the hard thing anyway, you'll find it's easier the second time, right? It's easier the third time. Uh, but the first, first, you know, time or two when you, when your flesh wants to do something and you don't, you can't find a biblical basis for that uh, if you'll do the hard thing and, and follow the Word of God and follow the Spirit of God. It gets easier. And what you'll find is everything in your life gets better. You know, you stay healed, you stay prosperous, you stay happy, you stay full of joy. Um, it's, it's a wonderful place to live, amen? It's a good place to live. It's the right place to live. But what's our, what's our biblical foundation of, of the things we say and the things we do? What's the what's the privilege that the Lord gives us to say or do the things that we're doing? Amen. Do we have the foundation for those things? Uh, if you say things, well, I just had to say it. Then what you're saying is then then my desire supersedes anything in the word of God. And that's not really correct. Right. I mean, you know, surely that's uh, anybody with a brain knows that's not really correct. But see, we we our flesh has trained us to say if, if we can justify it. See, then we are exempt from following the word of God. But are you think you're ever exempt from following the Word of God? You know, you're really not exempt, right? I mean, it's pay me now, pay me later, right? I mean, someday you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus and, and answer for all those things. Uh, and if you'll train yourself here on this earth of, of, Lord, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's how I live. Uh, and if the faith says I can do it, then I can do it. Faith says I can say it, then I can say it. If, I, if, the, if the Word of God says I can't say it or can't do it, then I choose not to do it. Because the second verse there that we read says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Anytime you justify actions that are not biblical, you are frustrating God's grace. See, God's grace is there to help you, to assist you, to cause you to be successful. But it's only available if you choose to live by faith. If you choose not live by faith and choose to live by, by you know, uh, whatever you choose to live by that's not biblical, then God's grace is frustrated. He's not able to help you where he wants to help you. You ever tried to help somebody and you couldn't? You're frustrated, aren't you? Well, that's what it means. He, you, you frustrate God's grace. Uh, and, you know, we see that in the Word of God many times when, when God wants to bless, but he can't because of our actions and our words. And so, uh, and, and it's not so much, you know, you shouldn't take this as, as correction. And, you know, uh, you should take this as this, this is the way that I want to live. I want to live where I'm going to choose every day, every action, every word. And it's not like I sit down and write, a, write this down and say, okay, I'm going to say this, and let me go find book, chapter, verse. I, you know, it's not, I don't, you don't really live that way. Nobody lives that way, right? Uh, but um, if I'm about to say something, see, that word of God will rise up in me. If it's, if it's wrong or incorrect, that word of God will rise up in me and, and just, just be like a stop sign. Don't say that. Don't do that. And, and then I'll yield to that. And, and I have found that I live in much more peace uh, in, and uh, contentment all the time. You know, well, you know, they needed to hear that. None of my business, right? Well, if the Lord says don't say it. It's just none of my business, right? Well, they need to hear it. That's not my job to judge that. It's his job to judge that, amen? And if he doesn't think they need to hear it, I'm well satisfied that he is, he is perfectly fine in them not hearing that, amen? Uh, and, well, they're going to get away with it. Not my problem, you know? Well, they're going to get one over on me. I don't really care. You know, if, if, the, if, the, if the Word of God and the Spirit of God is not there to, to encourage me to say that or do that, I just leave it alone. Uh, and and uh, look, if he says say it, then say it. You know, I mean, I've said lots of things that people have gotten offended over. 
not with my intent. I don't have the intent to offend them, but sometimes you just say, hey, the sky is blue, and then, you know, how dare you, you know? Well, whatever. I mean, you know, especially nowadays, you can't say anything. People just get super offended, you know, and they go off, and they're a bunch of cupcakes, right? And, I mean, just uh, it, the world we live in today is just insanity, right? I mean, just you can't be a Christian on, online anymore with just people just destroying, you know, just like whatever. And they're, and they're trying to do that to keep Christianity out of the public square. You know, they, don't, they think Christians ought to just be in a back room somewhere. And I'm going to live the way I want to. I don't care what you think. You know, I'm going to say what I want to. And, you know, if that upsets you, I don't really care. Um, and so, but can we live this way? Can we live where our words and actions have a biblical foundation, a biblical basis to allow us to do those things or say those things? And are we willing to, to constrain that in our lives if uh, those things don't line up? Uh, and see, if you, well, I can't live that way. Well, then you'll always live below the best of God. You'll always live in a way where God's grace is frustrated in trying to help you. Amen. And it's, a, and it's really a, a way below where you could live. Amen. Because if, if I can guarantee you that you could be happy every day, you know, what would you pay to get that? You know, people say, well, can I take a pill? No, you can't take a pill to get happy every day, right? What if I make a lot of money? That's not guaranteed to make you happy, right? Uh, you know, people, well, people have tried it. And, and, uh, you know, there's, there's, the only way that I know is following the perfect will of God in your life. If you do that, happy every day, amen? And, and it's worth the effort, amen? It's worth the effort of telling your flesh no once or twice, right? Uh, probably one or two hundred times, right? Or one or two thousand times, you know? I mean, you've got to tell your flesh no a lot, Amen. Uh, but I was just thinking about this verse, you know, wh what is my biblical foundation for what I say and do? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what I choose to do. Uh, and it's a great way to live, amen? And if I can encourage everybody to live that way, you know, I would. You know, in fact, I do encourage you to live that way, amen? It's a good way to live, amen? Because I don't want to frustrate. I never want God's grace to be frustrated with me. I never want him to go, I just want to help him, but I, I just can't. That's, that'd be a terrible place to be, Amen. The God of all power, of all creation, wants to help you, but he can't. It's not that he won't, you know, it's that he can't, amen, because I have frustrated his grace. And, uh, and I'm not going to live that way, amen. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you with that. The Lord is good, amen. Let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get in praise and worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Good and kind and merciful, Father. Yes, Father. All my life, Father, you've been good. You've been faithful, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Your goodness and mercy, Father, will follow me all the days of my life, Father. All the days of my life, Father. When I look behind me, there's goodness and mercy chasing me down. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father. You've always been faithful. Father, you've been kind and good towards us. Thank you, Father, for your kind heart. Father, you said it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom desire, Father, to bless us, to be good to us, to be kind towards us, Father, to be merciful over us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we just commit our hearts to you. 
Father, to follow you all the days of our life. If we follow you, Father, there's only goodness and mercy for us, Father. There's only faithfulness towards us. Father, we choose to follow you. And Lord, just like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Father, in times and seasons when our will is not exactly your will, Father, we will choose to lay it down. What we choose, what we desire, Father, and to pick up what you desire for us to do. Father, there's goodness and mercy in that. There's joy and fulfillment in that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for goodness and kindness and mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we commit to do that each and every day, Father. We thank you that your grace is there to help us to be successful in that. Your grace, Father, the power of God to help us to accomplish your will in the earth is always available, Father. And Lord, we'll not frustrate your grace, Father, by choosing to do things outside your will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you praise and honor for these things. We give, we give you thanksgiving, Father, for your faithfulness and kindness towards us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. We thank Him for being so good towards us, kind towards us. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We've been uh, talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We'll let um, Chris go get some notes. and You know, uh, Chris used to fill in for me every now and then, like on Wednesday nights. And then, uh, but then she asked for my notes one time, and like she preached all my notes in one service, you know. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to ever let her see my notes anymore, you know. She'll preach the whole thing, you know. And um, I'm usually a little slower about that than, than she is. But uh, we need each other, amen. And so we thank the Lord for his goodness. Thank you. appreciate that. So, um, you know, several years ago, I went through and put all my notes on, um, on my uh, computer here. And I've got uh, every message I've ever taught, you know, from, started from 1995 there. So um, there's a few that we won't ever teach again, right? So, uh, but that's all right. So, uh, of course, uh, uh, let's say we finished up last week talking about, the, uh, about how we speak to our brothers and sisters, amen, um, and, uh, and our attitudes about that. And, you know, there's really, um, and we're not going to go back over all that, but uh, there's really no place in the church for us to think that we're better than anybody else, amen. Uh, and that's some of the attitudes, some of these tones and attitudes that Jesus is talking about. You know, he said there's, there's severe consequences for that. And yet, uh, you ever met snobby people in church? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> We said, no. What world have you lived in? <laughs> I want to find out whatever world you're in and go visit that, that world, right? That must, what's that? You forgave them? Okay, all right, well. Uh, well, uh, there are snobby people in church, right? Uh, there are people, and see, the, the thing about snobbery is that it's a measure of 
something that I have in the natural realm that, that is different than what you have in the natural realm. And so snobbery is oftentimes related to how much money I have in the bank, amen? Sometimes it's related to uh, what uh, degree you have on the wall. Sometimes it's related to what color skin you have. Sometimes it's related to what language you speak or what accent that you have. You know, I told you when I, I moved to Tennessee from New Hampshire when I was in fifth grade. And um, so I go into class, right, in the elementary school. I'm in, I'm in fifth grade, right? So uh, you don't expect too much uh, um, uh, resistance to go into fifth grade, right? But uh, anyway, so the teacher introduced me. She said, this is Chip, and she probably destroyed my last name there. Uh, and he's from New Hampshire. And this kid on the back row said, damn Yankee. Uh, and, and I'm in fifth grade, right? Getting persecuted in fifth grade, right? And, and, and of course, I, we didn't have corporal punishment in New Hampshire, right? Because it's a civilized state, right? And so, but in Tennessee, that, that she took him out of the class and went and, and, and paddled him. Remember, you, you used to do that right now. If you do that, you'd get tased or something. But they used to could do that. And, and, uh, and then she brought him back. And he was really nice after she brought him back. And I, and I didn't know until later on what happened, you know, to, to this fella. And um, uh, in fact, uh, it's been years since I've seen this fellow. He, he connected with me on Facebook. Said, I know this guy's name. Why do I know this guy's name? He said, oh, he's the guy who doesn't like Yankees, right? And so, uh, and so if you're there watching today, you know, I'll say hi because he watches every now and then, you know. So I need to connect with him, see if he remembers that story. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, there's no uh, uh, people who think they're better than people. I just I never have understood that. Uh, you know, I dealt with it in the corporate world a lot because if, if I knew something or, or somebody else knew something that I didn't know, they would lord it over you. Like, well, I know something that you don't know. And I always had the attitude, look, we came out of the womb knowing the exact same thing. You know, so somewhere along the way, you learned it, right? You didn't know it when you came out of the womb. You didn't come out of the womb going, yeah, E, e equals MC squared. You didn't know that. You know, doctor, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed for you. Nobody knew that coming out of the womb, right? And yet people act like they're, they're better than you because they know something, uh, or they have something, or they have a certain color skin, or they talk a certain way. Uh, and, and it's really embarrassing uh, as a child of God to have an attitude like that, uh, to, to ever think less of somebody because of anything you know, in, their, in their life, right? Where, you know, uh, where, where they're from, you know, what, what their history is. Uh, you know, I, I know I used to do jail ministry a lot in the day, and... Um, uh, every now and then we'd get somebody from the jail ministry to come visit the church. And, and of course, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of, there's a fairly big uh, population of inmates there. And so I wouldn't necessarily remember everybody. And so I'd say, I'd say hey, you know, nice to have you here today. You know, where do I know you from? And so, uh, and oftentimes they were very ashamed, you know, oh, we met in jail, right? <laughs> and so, but I didn't care. I could care less, right? I only care like, where are you today, right? Who are you today? I could care less what you did yesterday. It, just, it, it matters nothing to me, right, at all. Uh, and so uh, people oftentimes want to hold things against folks forever. There's just no place in that for the church, right? I know certain things, you know, you know especially dealing with children, you've got to, you know, there, no, no doubt you have to have some safeguards there, of course, right? And, and that's fair. Uh, but, you know, uh, I could still love somebody regardless of their past, amen? If it's their past, right? If they're present, we may have some things to talk about. Uh, but uh, snobbery just gets no place in the church, none at all, right? If you think you're better than somebody because of your bank account, I mean, I, you ever known people that way, you know? Uh, but see, the thing I have observed is there is snobbery in every direction. You know how many poor people are snobs against rich people? Oh, they just think they're better than because they got money. Well, that's they have a snobby attitude, right? You should be able to go up to a rich person and say, hey, you know, let's go to get a cup of coffee, right? 
We're going to go to a diner because we're cheap, right? It's only a quarter. We're not going to Starbucks, right? If you're buying, we'll go to Starbucks. But, you know, if, you're, if I'm buying, we're going to the diner, right? It's a quarter for a cup of coffee, right? Uh, I don't know if it's a quarter or not. I haven't been to the diner or get a cup of coffee in a while. But it's free if you come here, right? You get a cup of coffee for free. But, uh, but um, you know, and, and I've, seen, I've seen people snob in every direction, amen? Because it's flesh. It's carnality. It's not anything to do with any inherent value of your life, amen? There's just no place for it in a church, Amen? There's no place for bigotry. There's no place for, for uh, thinking somebody is better than anybody else for whatever reason. Amen. But I hear it in a church all the time. Amen. Uh, and and uh, not so much in this church, but, I, you know, I, I have heard some of these things in this church, right? This very church, right? It's like, oh, you know, oh yeah, yeah. You know why? Because there's people in this church. Amen. Uh, and, uh, but there's no, there's no room for it. Amen. Uh, you know, people say, well, we're all God's children. Well, that's not really true. Because as adults, you can choose to be a, a child of God or not. Amen. You could be a child of the devil. Amen. I don't hate you if you're that way. I'm going to try to love you into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Uh, and so uh, there's, just, there's just no room for it. Amen. Especially what about sin, right? Is it okay for us to be snobs against people who are in sin? Uh, you know, I, I was talking to some people at church one day, and, and, and uh, uh, they, they were just almost beside themselves. They said, we were, we were in town just the other day at a restaurant. And, and, uh, and these two men were holding hands. It just so disgrace. I mean, just so gross. Yeah, you know, just you know. And, and look, yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. But why would that gross you out? Where's the compassion of the Lord? Why wouldn't the compassion of the Lord rise up? And Lord, you know, uh, sin is going to harm harm everybody. Amen. There's no sin that that is free from harm. Amen. Why wouldn't the compassion of the Lord rise up and say, Lord, you know, they need they need your help. Amen. Instead of being a snob about it, about somebody else's sin, right? Well, Lord, I, you know, I heard, I heard that, you know, they watch TV. You know, can you believe that? Uh, and, 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 you know, there's people snobs about that, right? Uh, and, you know, just we, there was that big game yesterday, right? And, and um, I've gone to, to work before and said, hey, did you watch the game yet? Oh, I don't watch TV. And they're, you know, they're trying to belittle me because I watched a, a ball game on TV. Like, well, you know, you want to listen to how you treat your wife, right? Uh, and so... I mean, it's just, uh, there, there's no room for it in the, word of, in the, in the body of Christ, amen? Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, I can hang with people that are very wealthy, doesn't bother me a bit. I can be around people that are just dirt poor. I mean, you know, you, they come to the church and they visit and they leave and you've got to clean the chairs, right? That's how dirty they are. It's like, Dude, what, you roll on the ground? I mean, you know, uh, it doesn't bother me, you know? I've seen people in church get disgusted because a poor person comes in and dirties a chair. Well, that's why God invented soap, right? Invented, you know, uh, vacuum cleaners, right? We clean it up, move on, right? Uh, and uh, how many people have, have been, uh, uh, I've heard this story more than once. Somebody goes to church and a deacon will come up to him after the church and say, uh, if, you come, if you want to come back, you know, make sure you wear better clothes. You know, to the church, right? I mean, it's like, who are we here for? Only people with nice clothes, right? The church of the nice clothes. Uh, people, I mean, is that is that a thing? Is that is that is that a requirement? Did Jesus ever do that? Right, uh, you know, blind Bartimaeus. Remember, he was a beggar on the side of the road, and they, you know, he's crying after Jesus. You know, Son of David, have mercy on me. And and on all the helpers of Jesus, be quiet. You're bothering the master. Did he ever say he was being bothered? Did he ever say he was a bother to him? And and yet uh, he went and found him. He said, come, uh, have him come over here. Uh, and of course, they're all like, oh yeah, the master's calling you. Oh yeah, you know, now they're all nice to him, right? But before, they were snobs because he was a beggar. Amen? And uh, it's just, it, to me, it's embarrassing when the church of the Lord Jesus 
thinks that we're better than anybody else in the world. You know, we're all servants. Except for the grace of God, we all deserve hell. Amen? And, and that's, that's the way I think of every day. You know, we're all in, on the same boat. Uh, we're all on the same path. Except for the grace of God, we'd all end up at the same place. Amen? So uh, nobody, nobody's better than anybody else. Amen? Uh, and so then, then uh, he, he uh, uh, shifts gears a little bit. We talked about uh, verses 20, 25, 26, about not owing anything and, uh, to anybody. And, and, you know, don't go, to, don't go to the Lord and start praying for a bunch of things if you've not been doing right to your brother and sister, right? Go and, uh, sometimes you've got to go make those things right, amen? And if the Lord tells you you've got to go make it right, what should you do? Go make it right, you know? And so uh, n- nothing wrong with that, Amen. And then uh, Jesus talks about the next two topics is adultery and divorce. And, uh, you know, so we've installed a bunch of landmines in here, right? Because uh, these two topics, uh, there's all kinds of, of uh, scary things people get into about this. But it shouldn't be scary because it's in the Word of God. Amen. Uh, and should we be able to discuss these things in the Word of God? Well, we should be, right? Uh, are we adults? Uh, let's all act like adults today, right? And, and uh, probably the next few weeks. Uh, and so... What I, you know, what I have found is, uh, in, especially in these two topics, there's, su- there's such strong opinions about these topics, right? These two, specifically these two topics, right? Walking in love, everybody, oh, yeah, we all walk in love, right? Uh, being good to children, oh, yeah, we all like that. Adultery and fornication or in, in uh, divorce here. Did Jesus talk about it? He talked about it, right? So it seemed like we ought to be able to talk about it, amen? And so we should be able to talk about it uh, as adults and, and um Let's find out what the Word of God says, amen? What I have observed is oftentimes people from the pulpit will preach these things with a heavy hand, right? Uh, as if we're all perfect and we have never committed any sins in our entire life, right? And so we love to pick things that we're not doing as don't do that sin, right? And then other sins, you know, we, want to talk, we don't want to talk about that, right? Uh, like how you treat your wife, right? Oh, we don't want to talk about that, even though uh, Peter says, in fact, when I got married, First Peter, I think it's 3, 7, uh, says to honor your your spouse, your your wife, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. Right? Now, that's what he said. Right? That's what Peter said. Uh, honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Right? So honor, esteem highly. Right? And and, uh, and that was my verse when I got married because I thought, well, I don't want my prayers to be hindered. Amen. And he said, fellow heir of the grace of life. So she's not beneath me. She's not less than me. She's a fellow heir. Right? Equal heir to the grace of God as I am, right? So spiritually speaking, she's not less than me, amen? Uh, in fact, uh, I've held her in high regard because she's a great example to me in, in many areas of my life that have been a blessing to me. Uh, and so, so I have endeavored, not that I've been perfect in that, but I have endeavored to treat her with honor and to treat her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Uh, and I have found that my prayers generally are not hindered, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but you know, some, some ministers... You know, they were, I remember years ago, uh, there was a, uh, is a lady in Tennessee that uh, uh, she shot and killed her husband. Because in their church, if you got divorced, you're out. But you can kill your husband and they'll let you back in. But you can't divorce your husband. And so she thought, okay, I've got a loophole. I can kill him. I can get to go back to church, right? I'll go to jail for a while. I get to come back to church. If I, if I just divorce him because he was a horrible person, right? He, now, he was the pastor. Now, here's the problem. He was the pastor. He treated her terribly, right? Just physically abused her, emotionally abused her for years. And she just had enough of it. And she, she had a plan, you know? And, and now, that's just messed up right there, right? That's, that's finding a loophole in the, in the Word of God and go, okay, here's my loophole, right? Remember, we suck about loopholes because uh, the law is full of loopholes, right? 
You, can, you don't kill somebody. Okay, but I can maim them, right? I can take a leg out, right? I, 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 that, that's okay, right? I got, Lord, I didn't kill him. See, that's a loophole. That's not really a loophole. You can't really do that, right? It's not okay to do that. But she found a loophole. You know, you can't get divorced because you're out of the church, but, you know, you can kill him. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, divorce apparently is the unpardonable sin, but not murder, right? Uh, and so there are no unpardonable sins other than ex- not accepting the Lord Jesus, amen? That's the only unpardonable sin that exists in the Word of God. Uh, and so, so here we are, right? Uh, uh, he, he starts out in verse 27, in adultery. And so uh, uh, in, in discussing adultery, let's just read what he has to say here, uh, starting in verse 27. He said, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, right? That's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, but I say unto you, so what is Jesus doing? He's continuing the transition, right? Uh, you know, we're going to transition from just being so legalistic, right? Well, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, commit adultery, right? Uh, well, uh, you know, because in, in their mind, adultery is just the physical act, right? Just you go, you're married. Now, adultery is, is, is primarily dealing with a married couple, right? Because you've got fornication, which is, uh, it, it, which is dealing with uh, uh, physical relations outside of the, the marriage covenant. But this is specifically talking about having physical relations, sexual relations with, with somebody else other than your spouse, who you're married to, right? So that, that's what it's, and so that's the loophole, right? Uh, so adultery, you know, is only the physical act. Well, what if, you, what if you just kiss? Is that okay, right? How far can you go? What if you go and have dinner with them every day? What if you have uh, an emotional affair, a Facebook affair, right? Uh, well, uh, see, people looking for loopholes. People, well, you know, I didn't do, the, I didn't do, the, I didn't do, you know, go all the way, right? I didn't go all the way. I went to third base, but I stopped at third base, right? I didn't go all the way home. You all know what I'm talking about, right? We don't have to go through uh, high school biology again, right? Uh, and so, but see, people are always looking for loopholes. What's the loophole? How far can I go before it's wrong? Uh, and, and of course, Jesus, he's transitioning this. He, he's starting to say, look, you've got to live your life right all the time. Not, you're, not, you're not trying to find the edge of sin and going right up to the edge of that. That's what Old Testament law is, is finding the edge of sin and going right up to that, right? Uh, and, and the problem is you can't live that way. It's not, it's not safe to live that way, right? Uh, and so he said, I say unto you, in verse 28, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if his right hand offend thee, Pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should, be, should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that, uh, that one of thy members should perish, and that not one of thy whole body should be cast into hell. So, so what's the transition that Jesus is talking about? Well, the transition he's talking about is it's not the loophole of, well, I didn't do the physical act, right? He's backing it up, saying what's really important is what's going on on the inside of you. Uh, and, of course, where they're at right now, they're not Christians, right? These people are not Christians. So he's really talking about our life as a church. So these people are really un- incapable of living the way that Jesus is telling them they should live until the cross occurs. But now that the cross is here, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We're born again in His image and likeness. And so we can live this way. So he, he's saying the issue is... Uh, and he really uh, nails it there in verse 28. But I say unto the whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with, with her already where? In his heart. Can you see someone's heart? No, but who can see someone's heart? The Lord can see your heart, right? And, and so, so here's the issue. 
because every physical act of adultery started with an act of adultery in someone's heart, right? There is no sin without first a thought. Every sin that's ever been committed was begun by someone having a thought, amen? I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that. And then you do that. It's like, how did I do that? Well, because you've been thinking about it, right? You ever thought about something over and over again, right? That last piece of chocolate cake's in the kitchen. You start thinking about it. I shouldn't eat that last piece of chocolate. I already had six today. I think six is enough, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, a man of, I'm a man of temperance, right? I'm not out of control. Six, six, you know, six is my limit, right? Six pieces of cake, you know, that's my limit, right? But that la- is the last piece. And you're thinking, if I don't get it, my wife's going to get it. But it's the last piece. And it's got, it's got, all, the, it's got all the chocolate, you know, all, already on the, on the plate there. And you've got to scrape all the extra chocolate in there because nobody scrapes it. You know, you should, you know, I don't know why they do it. But you get all the extra, so you not only get the last piece, you get all the extra frosting that's on the plate, right? So, so you think about, I, you know, I, I'm not going to eat that. In the next commercial, I should eat it. No, I shouldn't eat it, right? What, what is it? It's a thought, right? And then what do you do? You eat it. I don't know why I ate that. I wanted to eat that last piece of chocolate. Now you, now you can't even sleep, right? Because your, your belly is full. You can't even roll over. Uh, and so it's full of chocolate cake. And how did that start? It started with a thought, right? Every, every sin starts with a thought, amen? Now, now here, here's the thing. It, and and I, you know, it just in going through and putting my notes together, I just... But like it'd be really helpful to kind of go through a little bit of this of how does this work? Because it's an area of, of, of uh, difficulty for the, church, the whole church, right? Because who desires for you to sin more than anybody? The devil, right? Because if you sin, you're outside the will of God. You're right. You get outside the will of God. You're in, in God's mercy. And, and it's a difficult place, right? Hopefully, we get out of that as quick as we can and we repent. We get back right with the Lord. But, you know, a lot of times there, there, there's so much of the sin there's so much in the church where we sin so much that uh, we almost kind of give it up. It's like, it's just, I just can't live that way. I can't live the way God wants me to live. And so we end up just kind of living a carnal life, right? A natural life and not really the goodness of God. Amen. There's always better for us. You know, it's possible. In, in fact, uh, let, let's turn over to, to Jude, uh, to the book of Jude. I was going to say Jude 24, but it's, it's the book of Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude, right? So Jude is the very last book before the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and he says here, in verse 24, uh, he said, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. You can't live a life like this. Amen. Your life is, does not have to be defined by Sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting all the time. You can live a life that's faultless for days, weeks, months, even, even years, right? Uh, it is possible, and, and it's perfectly fine to live that way, amen? Uh, sometimes in a church, we all act like, well, we're all going to sin. You know, technically, it's probably true, but it's not. You shouldn't use that as a cop-out. Well, I'm going to sin anyway. I might as well do it. That, that's really a, a terrible place to live. You should fight it uh, uh, every day, and so I, I thought it would be helpful to just talk about this because the, the sin of adultery, you know, it's not just uh, what he's talking about here uh, back, in, uh, back in Matthew chapter 5 verse 28, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with, all, with her already in his heart. So what, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you know, specifically if, if you're a, a married, now, now see, what's the loophole? Well, the loophole is this is only for men, right? Women do not have the ability to commit adultery. Is that what it says? Because it says her, uh, you know, if you look at talking about a man looking at a woman, so, men, uh, women, you're off the hook, right? Uh, are you off the hook? 
course you're not off the hook, right? But see, would people use that as a loophole? He's only talking about married men. He's not talking about me at all. You know? No, it's not a loophole, right? It's, he's not saying that it's okay for a woman to look at a man and go, man, I, oh yeah, I do, you know. The googly eyes, you know the googly eyes, right? Uh, you get the googly eyes, you know, is that okay? It's not okay, right? Uh, and so, you know, um, uh, especially if you travel a lot, you know, uh, now, uh, Franklin, uh, not Franklin Graham, but Billy Graham, you know, he, he had, uh, uh, the way that he lived and operated when he traveled, he said he wouldn't even get on an elevator with a woman uh, by himself because he just, he's not going to put himself in that position, right? A lot of men, oh, I can handle it, you know. No, you can't handle it. You know, whatever, right? You can't handle it. Uh, and so it's, and that's really the second, those last two verses there in verses 29 about your right eye offending thee, your right hand offending thee. That's really what it's talking about. Don't put yourself in these circumstances, right? Well, I can handle it. I, I remember one time my, my pastor, you know, he, he uh, had a colorful life before he got saved, right? Uh, and um, so he had this, this girl that he dated some, like in high school, call him. He'd been a pastor for many years, right? Call him and say, uh, she called him Kenny. Kenny, uh, I, I need some counseling, right? I bet you need some counseling, right? Uh, I need some counseling. And you go, well, what's going on? Well, I just, I need to talk to you. Uh, and and um, he said, well, I mean, wh- where do you want to meet? She said, I, I would like to meet at the Winona Motel. And if you know anything about that area, the Winona Motel was all the dark deeds happened in that county, happened at the Winona Motel. Only sin happened at the Winona Motel. There was no good things happening at the Winona Motel, right? That's where you go if you want to do those things, right? In fact, there was a fellow at the church that was, that was caught in adultery, right? At the Winona Motel. Uh, and so you don't go there, right? It, 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 uh, if someone invites you to go there, you just don't go, right? And so she didn't need, count- well, she probably didn't need counseling, but she needed, she needed a different kind of counseling than she, what she needed, right? So, so Jesus is he's shifting the gears here to it's not just good enough to say, I didn't commit the act. He's saying, what's going on inside your heart, right? What is your desire, right? Because he said, if you lust after a woman. And so what's the word lust? You know, the word lust, it's hard to use the word lust because it's, it's got so much... Uh, we immediately think of sexual sins, right? But that's not really lust. The word lust just means a strong desire, right? Now, in this context of this, it's a strong desire to sleep with somebody that's not your spouse, right? That's a, a pretty strong desire, and, uh, and it has overwhelmed many Christians, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is saying here, it's not, it's not just enough to say, use a loophole, I did not commit the physical act. He said, the issue is, what's going on in, on the inside of you, right? What are, what are your desires? Now, uh, it would be helpful to, to go back and, and look at some of these things because this is an area of so much confusion in the church because people want to take themselves exactly where they are today, just right now today, and say, if I have a desire, then I should, I should be able to do that desire. And that's what the world is saying. They're telling the church, you can't tell me not to have that desire because that's who I am. If I have the desire then it's perfectly fine. Uh, and that can't be any further from the truth, amen? Uh, and so how, how do we reconcile that, right? Because it's a, is that desire real? You start thinking about your neighbor's wife, you start thinking about, you know, the, the girl at work or the, the, the guy at work, depending on, you know, which gender you are. Again, it's not limited to a specific gender. But if you start thinking about somebody, see, then, then you start uh, having all, all of these consuming thoughts, and that's all you can think about. And that's how people end up in the wrong bed, right? That's how 
See, there's no adultery that happened by accident. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to happen. I was going to Walmart, and, and I committed adultery, you know, by accident. You know, that's not, you know, that's not how that happens, amen? You start thinking about it, uh, and, and you start, but then you start justifying it. Well, you know, she won't do like I think she should do, right? I have needs, right? I, I just have needs, right? And, and she's not meeting those needs, you know? And she, that girl over there, she can meet those needs. Yeah, she'll meet those needs, right? She'll, she'll make a few other needs along the way too, right? Uh, and so, so that thoughts, right? It, it's thoughts. But see, is that, is that you know, because we say, well, that thought's not, you know, that thought's not right. But what about other thoughts? Uh, he, here's, uh, let's turn over to, to Hebrews chapter 4. Because th- th- this is an area that, that many times a church, people in the church use to justify sins. If I, if I have that desire, I, I should not constrain that desire. Is that an acceptable way to live? No, it's not an acceptable way to live, but, but how do we reconcile that with the Word of God? Because are those desires real? Well, they are real, right? Some of these desires are overwhelming, right? I mean, that desire for that chocolate cake, I mean, it can be so overwhelming, you, you miss the last quarter of the whole game, right? I mean, there's probably people who watched that game yesterday, couldn't think anything about that last 15 minutes because of that last piece of chocolate cake. How'd the game go? I don't know. I'm in the middle of that cake all the, you know, I can't, you know, that's all I'm thinking about is that chocolate cake, right? And then the game's over, then they go eat it, right? And, and, and they come, they come in, they got chocolate right there, you know. What have you been doing? Nothing. You know, you know you're, you're busted, right? And so, so uh, it says here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I want to read this in the, uh, the Amplified translation. Jared, you won't have this version of Amplified. You'll have the classic version. This is the new version of Amplified because, well, it's new, right? Uh, it says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that's the value of the Word of God. So if you want to know, well, how do I figure out all my thoughts? You go to the Word of God. The Word of God will help you discern that thought is good, that thought is not good. That thought will lead you down the path of destruction, that thought will lead you to the path of joy and, and goodness. Amen? That's how you do it. And so it takes some effort. You've got to read the Word of God. You've got to meditate on the Word of God. Lord, you've got to take every thought. In fact, uh, uh, well, let's, uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 4. We'll just follow this path a little bit. Go over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, we want to talk about just about where we are, but how, how do we get here, right? How do we get to this particular place, right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we'll... we'll mention this and then we'll 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 back up a little bit here in second corinthians chapter 10 it says in verse 3 for we walk in the flesh for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare our warfare are not carnal or natural but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds so the the uh the weapons of our warfare are mighty through god to pulling down strongholds so what strongholds do we have a lot of people just stop right there and say strongholds are the devils, right? We're going to cast down devils and, 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 and uh, get rid of all these devils in the world. And No, what, what's he immediately start talking about in verse 5? Casting down imaginations. Where do imaginations occur? 
in your mind, I bet she thinks I'm hot. Is that an imagination? Probably an imagination, right? Uh, you know, I, I, bet, I bet she'd be way better than my wife. Is that an imagination? Probably an imagination, right? Casting down imaginations, amen? So is every imagination good? It can't be good if you've got to cast it down, right? Well, if I think it, it should be okay. No, it, it should be and may be something that you need to cast down. Now, who, now who's doing the casting down? Well, you are, amen? Uh, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, is it, is it okay to be married and just stay married with you and your spouse? That's the knowledge of God, right? That marriage between a man and a woman, that's the knowledge of God. And some, there'll be a thought that comes and tries to exalt itself against that. It's okay, you know, I have, I can, you know, uh, mankind was never designed just to have one person all their life. I mean, you know, whatever. It's perfectly fine to be with one person. I will be my, with my wife all of my life. Uh, you know, there won't be another one. You know, now if she dies, you know, at 120 years old and I decide to live to 187 or so like Abraham, you know. I mean, Abraham remarried, you know, when he was like 175, you know, and had kids at that time, right? And so we'll, we'll talk about it, right? Uh, but but uh, this is a, a one-time deal for me and my wife. Now, look, is everybody there? There's no condemnation, right? Because we got to talk about, you think we're talking about uh, scary stuff now, wait till we get to divorce, you know, in, in six or eight weeks, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> Uh, but we're going we're gonna to look at it and see what the Word of God says. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, are there things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God? Every time. I have needs. I can't be just with one person. See, that's a thought that's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God says, you're perfectly, I designed you to be with one person all your life. I, I wanted to be, with, to make a vow, right? Uh, and and the, the whole point of adultery, because if you go back in the Old Testament, the Lord told the nation of Israel that they were committing adultery against him. Adultery is, a, is, a, is an infraction against a vow that you have made, right? And in an area of marriage, it's an infraction against a marriage vow. Now notice, you know, there's only, uh, if, when he's talking about back in Matthew chapter 5, he said that, uh, that if you look upon a woman to lust after her, that you've committed adultery in your heart. So, Technically, it's possible to commit adultery with one person. It seems kind of hard to do, right? But it's perfectly uh, possible for a single person with nobody else involved to commit adultery. Now, the physical act generally requires two people, right? It's really hard to commit adultery physically with just one person. I don't even know if it's possible. But uh, technically, from the Lord's perspective, you can commit adultery all by yourself. Amen? Uh, and so... Why? Because there's going to be a thought that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And he said, you've got to cast that down. Because, see, you've got to, uh, and he tells us how to do it. He said, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, uh, so the issue is, we've got all kinds of thoughts going on, right? And, and we think, and we justify saying, well, if I have that thought, it's okay for me to act upon that thought. Well, you know, you wouldn't go... Uh, uh, you know, you drive down the road, and you see, you see the Brinks truck there at the bank with the doors open as they're fixing to load the money. You think, I bet I could get that money without them even knowing it. Is that a thought? No. Would you ever act upon that thought? No, you wouldn't act upon a thought because they got handguns and they'd shoot you twice and not even ask you, you know, and you go, oh, okay. But you thought about it, right? And you thought, you know, uh, if they go around the corner, I think I could sneak up in there and get over to here and I could leave my car running. And I mean, you, you know, in just in a second, you've already made all those thoughts and plans, right? Now, you're never going to act upon that. But you, nobody ever thought that? 
You don't, you don't want to think that? Nancy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You've never done that? You've never really gone by and go, I, I could do it. I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got one. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. But, you know, you're never really going to think about that. You know, it's just one of those things you just think about, right? And, and just, you don't ever think about that? <laughs> Where world do y'all live in? Wow, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm thinking, I could, I could do it, right? Uh, and and um, whatever, right? And so, uh, but he said, so there are thoughts that will exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And he said, you've got to bring into captivity, right, where, where you corral these thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Does this thought line up with what the Lord has said in his word, right? Does this thought line up? You know, uh, you need her. She'll, she'll, she'll do you better than your wife. See, that's against the knowledge of God, right? You've got to take that thought into captivity and go, no, I'm not thinking that. See, people, you can't help what you think. He literally says you can do it. He says you can choose to take captive every thought. Well, you just can't help what you think 100%. You can, now, the world, psychologists tell you, you know, you really can't. Thoughts are just going to come and go. You can't, you know. No, you've got to take, and see, this is, this is how you overcome it, right? You overcome it by taking captive every thought. Every single thought that comes into your brain, you've got to go, hang on, before I choose to accept this thought, let me, let me line this thought up against the Word of God. I can't do that. That would, that would dishonor my wife if I did that, right? You throw it out. What if, what if it's, you know, what if it's factually correct? Maybe she could do you better, right, physically. I mean, I don't know, right? I mean, you'd have to try to find out, right? And, and what, I mean, sometimes, is it worth the effort? To, no, it's not worth the effort to try to find out, right? Uh, because that's a crazy thought. And so you've got to take that thought into captivity, amen? So, so th- this is the issue right here. So how did we get here, though? You know, the, the, the issue a lot of times in the church, because so much of, uh, of it's influenced by the world, is we think that if we think it, it must be okay. That's just who I am. I can't just change who I am. Well, see, uh, that's, that's kind of mushy, right? That's, that's really not a very clear definition, because who are you? Well, you are a child of a living God. You are a spirit, amen? The thoughts that you have are not you. They're just thoughts, right? Every thought that comes in, you can choose to act upon it or choose not to act upon it. Every thought that comes in, you can choose, yeah, I want to be that person. You can, look at the, you can get that thought and you go, I don't want to be that person. And you reject that thought. You do that all the time. Every day you do that every time, right? You go by that Brinks truck, you think, I, I could do it. You know, I could jump in and left it running. I'm sure they left the passenger door unlocked. You know, they always lock the driver's side door, but they don't ever lock the... the, the, the I could jump in the passenger side door, slide across the thing, put it in gear, I can run, and I got all the money, and I can go down, I, I can go down. I know there's dirt road over here. Take her past the second stump, you know, go down two ends, hang a right, and I can jump the truck up there, get all the money, and, they, and I you got to make sure I wipe the, 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 the steering wheel down, right? Because, you know, they, got, they can check your fingerprint. Uh, and you, just like that, you've thought about all those things, you know, just... Uh, and, and Chris's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you, you've already made six ways out and, you, and, and I, I could do it, right? But I'm never going to do it. And I don't really want to do it. It's just the thoughts, you know? And, and so, because so, that's not me. I'm not, a, I'm not a thief. But see, other people, now, well, you know, to, you know full disclosure, I, I was a hardened criminal in sixth grade because I stole some gum at the, at the grocery store, right? And they caught me, they busted me, right? And so my, my, my career of, of of uh, thieving came to a short end. Now they just threw me out of the store, right? They didn't arrest me or anything. Uh, and so, <clears throat> but uh, I was caught. So I thought, well, that's, you know, it didn't work out very good. My, 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 my uh, crime spree didn't last very long. So, <clears throat> so if we back up, let's back up to 
who we were created to be, right? So in, in 1 John uh, 1, 9, and, and if, you, if you'll go through this, pro, and, I, and I just want to take a little time because we've got to dispel the lie that if I'm thinking it, it's okay for me to do it. See, that's such a lie. Because that's how much, so much sin is justified in the world. Well, I can't, I can't deny myself. Well, who are you? That's the question, right? What do you mean when you say yourself, right? Every, every thought is okay to act upon? Well, no. It's, you know, now, in today's world, we live in insanity, right? They're talking about, you know, uh, pedophilia is okay. You know, it used to be they just, they just shoot you and bury you in the backyard for even, having thought, even thinking like that, right? Nowadays, they're, they're almost, you know, it's okay, right? And, of course, we knew they would get this way because sin will always, will always try to uh, be as perverted as it possibly can. But in 1 John 1, 9, uh, the Lord says here, talking about Jesus, that he was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So every child that comes into the world, their spirit, that light that he's talking about is a spirit. He's talking about the spirit man and this child. This child, every baby that comes into the world, has the light that's turned on in them from God himself. He lights that child, right? He turns that spiritual light on in that child. And that's what makes us different than all the other animals in the world, right? There are no animals that are lit, lit spiritually by God. Animals have souls, they can have emotions, right? They can be happy, can be sad, but they do not have a spirit, right? They have a soul, but they don't have a spirit. We are unique. We have a spirit being. And that spirit is turned on, it's part of who God is. He created, the uh, book of Hebrews says, he's the father of spirits. So every spirit that comes to the world is, is a part of God. How he does that, I don't know, but, he, but that child is exactly like God. Not deity, but uh, he is made from God, the Spirit of God. Uh, and, and if that child will develop correctly, he'll always think just like God. Now, we know that's not going to happen, right? Eventually, they'll, they'll rebel and turn against God. But in that moment, they think exactly like God, will walk exactly like God. And as they get older, they will choose to continue that path or choose to, to stray from that path. But if they'll choose to follow that path and stay close to God, they will always think like God thinks, do like God does all the days of their life, right? They can get saved when they're young and just walk with God all the days of their life and not know sin and darkness and all these things, amen? Uh, and so, but that's not the reality of the majority of people. The majority of people, they'll get twisted, right, in their thoughts. They'll get some thought, they'll dwell on it, they'll think about it, they'll accept it, they'll approve of it. Yeah, it's okay, it's okay for me to just you know, do whatever. I, I can steal. And, and, you know, now look, my, my, the way I was raised growing up, that uh, the thoughts that we had, and it's crazy thoughts, that if I could steal something from you and get away with it, then that's your fault. So it's, it's okay for me to steal. So if I, if I steal something from you, you know, uh, when I was, uh, um, let's see, I don't know how old I was. I guess I was probably about 12 or so. So uh, <clears throat> I had a bicycle, you know, that was my only mode of transportation. I had a bicycle and and somehow it needed a new seat, right? I don't know if, a, you know, something happened and the seat got tore up, whatever. And so, so I've been going to the store and looking at this seat, right? This bicycle seat. I don't remember what it cost, like 20 bucks for a new bicycle seat. I need a new bicycle seat. So, but $20 might have been, might as well have been $20 million, right? I didn't have $20, right? I mean, I never had $20 until I became like a teenager, right? Until I was like 15, 16 years old. I had $20 in my pocket. Never had $20 in my pocket ever growing up. Uh, and so... So I'm like, well, you know, I, I need that bike. So, see, but, so, so, so I start trying to talk to my mom. Hey, mom, you know, 
buy me this bicycle seat because I really need it, you know. And so I'm just, you know, I'm wearing her down because that's the only way you can get anything out of your mom. You can wear them down, right? Hey, I need this bicycle seat, right? And it's over there at that store, you know. I, I really, you can buy it for me, right? Now, we didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, by this time, most of the other kids were out of the house and they're just the, mostly just the, the three uh, minors there, just me and, and my two twin brothers were at the house. Depending on times of season, we'd have, you know, brothers, sisters leave the house, come back, you know, and in fact, we had them all come back one time. I slept on the floor for like a year because we ran out of beds. And so I'm just on the floor. And I didn't think anybody about it. And I'd tell somebody, I slept on the floor for about a year. You, you what, slept on the floor for a year? Yeah, you know, the people do that, don't they? Well, no, nobody sleeps on the floor for a year. And, and, but it was just the deal, right? Uh, now, it was nice carpet, but uh, like royal blue carpet. Anybody remember royal blue carpet? It's like banned in 60 states now, I think. But, uh, but, uh, but we used to have this super royal blue carpet. Uh, and uh, and uh, it wasn't a bed, but it was comfortable enough to sleep on. You know, I'm just a kid. But anyway, so we're going to the store. And so, <clears throat> so, so uh, okay, mom's going to the store so I can show her the seat. I, uh, and so we get to the store. So that's the seat I've been wanting right there. See, that's the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she had this giant purse. So she stuffs the, the bicycle seat in the purse, right? So, so, so she's thinking, we're going to walk out of it. Now, now, see, I'm conflicted, right? I need a bicycle seat. It's wrong. But I need a seat, right? And so I'm thinking, I'm never going to get it any other way. So I'm having to justify this, right? Because I'm just a kid. I'm not saved yet. I'm not a Christian yet. But so, so we walk out the door. And I'm thinking, this is so wrong, but I need a bicycle seat. So we left with a bicycle seat. I put it on my bicycle seat, you know, and, and put it on my bike, you know, and installed it myself. And, and, and now, you know, I'm not a criminal, but I was, you know, an accessory to the crime, right? Uh, and so because, uh, you know, I, I was like her watch out, right? I'll watch out, make sure nobody catches us. But it's wrong, mom, but let's go anyway, right? Uh, and so, so you justify it. So we got away with it, so it's their fault, right? Well, see, that, that is a messed up thought, right? That is a thought that the Lord didn't, didn't give me in John 1, 9, right? That's, that's not a John 1, 9 thought, right? That's not a thought that came out of the womb. That's a thought that under the pressure of life, I justified sin so that I can get my needs met. Now, you know, in the great scheme of things, is, you know, is that a huge deal? Is, am I going to go to like a hardened prison, right? To maximum security prison because I stole this bicycle seat? No. And, and you know, I'm thinking, well, I can't tell the story because they'll come get me. But the cl- store closed down, so, you know, it doesn't matter anyway, right? And they may have closed down because people shoplifted all the time, too. I don't know. <laughs> and so I hope I didn't cause them to go, to go broke, right? Uh, and so, so, so you, if you look at the progression of a if a Christian's life is a human being's life, you know, they'll go along and they'll think thoughts like the Lord thinks, but then somewhere along the way, they'll start thinking thoughts that are not in line with the Word of God, that violate 2 Corinthians chapter 10, right? Thoughts that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And if we accept those thoughts and approve of those thoughts, see, now we're, we are changing direction from God's perfect plan. But see, we get there now. Now we've been doing that for six months, a year, and ten years. Now we've got these thoughts that are way far away from what God's best is. And we think, well, that's just who I am. But see, we never did go back to where that, th- that thought first came into our heart and said, that thought does not line up with the Word of God. I am not accepting that thought. We didn't do that. We thought, well, if I think it. Well, see, see that's the problem right now. And that's the problem with the whole church. That's the problem with the world is they think if they think it, it's perfectly fine. No. Because you have veered off of that thought. And see, I believe the Lord has made all of us to be very unique, special individuals. But all of us have got things in our hearts, that thoughts that we have that don't line up with the Word of God. 
And we can go back, if you would be willing to go to the Lord, He would show you the day that you took that wrong step and you started thinking that thought and thinking, well, you know, I can't just have one woman. I am not a one-woman man, right? I got to have multiple women, right? Nowadays, it's like, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, well, some polygamy, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, have multiple wives, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I can't be constrained with one woman. Well, see, that's just a lie. Sure you can. If the Word of God says you can, sure you can, right? See, to me, it's the easiest thing in the world. No, that's dumb. That's not even true. So I can't do it. Sure you can. See, people try to make that smoke screen of, well, I'm not, it's not possible for me to live that way. Sure you can. If the Word of God says you can, 100% can, right? So every thought, every sin that's ever occurred in the world starts right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that thought comes in, and you look at that thought, and you go, yeah, I'm going to take that thought. I'm going to accept that thought. That's, that's who I'm going to become. And see, see, I became a hardened bicycle seat criminal, you know, as, as, a, as a preteen, right? I wasn't even a teenager then. I was a preteen. Uh, and because of a thought that my needs overrode uh, the, the rights and privileges of the owner of that business, right? Because they have the right and privilege to sell things uh, and to, to earn a living, but my thoughts overrode their thoughts, right? Uh, and, and I was perfectly justified in that. I mean, I, you know, I did feel bad a little bit, not bad enough to take it back, but, you know, I did feel bad, a little, you know, I would think about it on occasion as I was riding my bicycle, wow, you're a criminal. Yeah, it's okay, though, you know. I got away with it, right? And so... So, uh, but here we are as, as human beings. Right now, right today is where you are. I know that's a big revelation, but you are exactly where you are today. And so you have to, you have to decide to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and really, if you want to live a good life with the Lord, you've got to take catalog of, he said, every thought, right? Take captive every thought. Hang on, before, you just, before I choose to accept you, I'm going to take you captive and I'm going to line you up with the word of God. Yeah, well, you know, uh, she will meet my needs more than my wife will. No, that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's trying to override the knowledge of God. That I can be perfectly satisfied with my wife all the days of my life. I don't need any other input in that. Amen? I'm perfectly fine with that. Well, you just can't live that way. Exalting itself against the knowledge of God. See, that's, see so if you'll train yourself that way, those thoughts come, you go, I'm not thinking that way. And you just throw it out. It's really fast, right? But the problem is, and the devil, see, the devil knows that because sometimes he can give you hints or thoughts and, uh, and, and, and he's watching to see if you, if you pause, right? Just like, you know, if your wife asks you, does this dress make me look fat? And you pause and you're in trouble. Not because you said anything, but because you paused, right? It's like, oh, you pause, you, you think I'm fat. I, I didn't, I was just, I just did, you know, it's like a landmine, right? It's just, it's just an explosion waiting to happen, right? And, and so... And, you know, the devil's the same way. He, he, lots of times he'll fire off thoughts at you, and he's looking to see which ones you pause at, right? Because, you know, the Brinks, the Brinks truck there, I don't really think about it that much. Like, you know, I could do it. You know, there's, no, there's no reality in that at, mine at all, right? Uh, and so, but the bicycle seat, see, I paused. Well, if I just get my mom down there, she'll steal it for me, right? I see, I'm using my mom to steal for me. That, isn't that a great child, right? You know, that's a really great person right there, using your mom to steal for you, right? Uh, and... and you know, years later, I found out I didn't know about it because, you know, that wasn't the last first time or the last time my mom stole things. I found out, you know, my mom was going away for like a weekend and they said she was going to a social security conference. Now, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm an early teenager. And I thought, well, that's a lie. I don't know what the truth is, but some, you know, I was new enough to know it was a lie. And later on, I found out she was going to jail for a weekend because she'd been caught shoplifting. And so she had to go spend 
a weekend in jail to pay for her crimes, you know, and, and they don't tell me that years later, you know, and I'm not trying to disparage my mom. It's just what happened, right? And so, you know, if you think, well, she's a terrible mom. Well, you know, whatever. If you think that, that I think we talked about being a snob earlier, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it's those things. So, so where we are today, see, just because we have that thought today doesn't mean it's a righteous thought. Doesn't mean it's an okay thought, right? Every sin, see, and you go all the way back. If you go back to you know, homosexuality, you go back to transgenderism, you go back to uh, adultery, you go back to fornication, you go back to drug use, you go back to cigarette smoking, you go back, what, you know, it doesn't matter. All of us started with a thought years ago sometimes. The devil worked on people for years. And, and just, you know, uh, nobody loves you. No, nobody could love someone like you. A thought. You know, you're right, you're right. You know, I used to have really, really low self-confidence. I know it's hard to believe, right? You know, I, used, I mean, just, just think, uh, nobody loved me. You know, I'm just, a, you know, nobody could love somebody. I just had terrible self-confidence, right? I grew up that way. And, uh, and then I started seeing who I was in the Lord. And I, well, the Lord loves me. If you don't love me, I could care less, right? But people tried to use that for years against me, right? You know, you're not going to be in the in crowd if you, don't, if you don't do what we say. And after I got saved, I started learning some things like, I could care less. You know, uh, you don't want me to be on the in crowd. I'm already in with Jesus, so what's it matter? And, and I really think that way, right? You, you, you think that uh, you're too good for me to be around you? It is your loss, right? If you don't want me in your life, you are losing out, right? And that's the way I think, right? It's not because I'm special. I am special. I'm the child of God, amen? You're special too, right? And so I, to me personally, I never have thoughts of I'm inadequate, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm a terrible pastor, you know, I'm just no good at my job, whatever, I don't think, I just, just because I take that thought captive. I, I take the, I don't, I don't dwell on those things, amen? But see, all of those things, uh, people uh, have been dealing with the, those thoughts for sometimes years ago, even sometimes as children, right? Because the parents aren't training them right or just because they influence them. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we'll, we'll just mention that and we'll go because I just want to talk about this a little bit more because we've, we've got to get out of the lie that if I think it, it is perfectly fine that I think it, amen? Because uh, if you have not taken that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, then, uh, you know, you may be in trouble, right? Or you may be in a place that you don't need to be. And so he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, uh, the, the King James says, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. The, the New American Standard says, uh, be not deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, and I think that's, uh, yeah, uh, be not deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. So how is that possible? You know, you're a perfectly good person right now. You get around the wrong crowd, and they start saying things, right? And so, the, so then your morals get corrupted just by the influence of other people around you. You know, that's not talking about thieves and drug dealers and, and murderers all the time. It's also talking about people who don't believe in the healing power of God, who don't believe in the miracles of God, who don't believe that God wants to prosper you. That's bad company. You know, and if you get around that long enough, it will corrupt you. They, they will get to you, well, God put that sickness on me. That will corrupt you. If, you. if you get around that all the time, that's all you hear, see, eventually you go, yeah, you're right. See, you'll take that thought, you'll accept that thought. See, right now, if somebody said that to me, I'd just reject it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. God doesn't heal. What are you talking about? God doesn't heal. Of course he heals. Is he a good God? Yeah. Well, then of course he heals, right? What, you know, how would you ever get there? But do people believe that? Sure they do, right? What about, you know, uh, 
you know, look, now I'm not mad at nobody, but it's just a good example. Uh, how much scientific information do we have about how bad smoking is for you? I mean, we got tons of information, right? Smoking is terrible for you. I mean, you're basically breathing in hot burning ash into your lungs and somehow that's good for you, right? And I understand, you know, it, it's an addiction and, and once people start smoking, it's hard to quit, right? Is that the reality of it? That's the reality of it, amen? But how did you ever start to begin with, right? Because somebody said, you should do it, right? Somebody said, hey, this is okay. Hey, you know, let's be rebellious or whatever the thing is, right? The thought, the thought was there. And the thing that's crazy is you have to nearly die to get, in order to get addicted to smoking, right? Because you, you take your first drag of smoking and you nearly kill yourself, right? I mean, I've never actually taken a single drag of smoking ever, ever in my life, but I know people that have, right? And they say the first couple of cigarettes, you're nearly dead. Uh, and, but you, you power through and you make it, you know, now you're successfully addicted to something, right? Uh, Woohoo, aren't you excited, right? Now you're addicted to this. Uh, but see, how did you get there? You didn't come out of the womb smoking, right? Uh, you, you came out of the womb in 1 John 1, 9, alive unto God. But somewhere along the way, someone said, hey, you need to do this, right? Every addiction, every sin, every shortcoming of God starts the exact same way. Every act of adultery starts exactly the same way. A thought came, and instead of taking it captive, you accepted it, right? Everything that's, that's short of the glory of God starts exactly the same way. And that's why Jesus, he, he's changing He's changing tactics now. Before, people were going like, I didn't commit the act. Oh, how many women have you actually lusted over? All of them. I mean, you know, because I didn't commit the act, so I'm okay. But no, you're not okay, right? Uh, and so, because if, if all you think about that, eventually you'll do it, right? But see, how did you get there? You keep thinking about it. Keep dwelling on it. You kept, you know, and they've done lots of scientific uh, studies where they can go in and just pick somebody out of the crowd. Hey, are you, you okay? You look a little sick today. No, I feel fine. Next person, hey, are you okay? You, you look a little sick today. You, you feeling, are you sure you're okay? No, I feel fine. And about the 20th person, go, maybe, well, you know, there was a little something right there, you know. And now you're sick at home, in bed and you go, how'd I get here? Thoughts, right? People put those thoughts in your mind and you started believing it. And then, you know, you, I mean, you do have some, a certain amount of control over your body. And of course, the devil will hook up with you that all, all day long, right? I, I, I feel like I've got some sickness. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. How many... Uh, uh, what, what's that sickness where, they, where you think everything's sick? Or hy- is it hypochondriac, something like that? Uh, uh, you, you think you're, you're sick all the time, right? Why? Because you're sick in your mind. Every thought that comes in, I'm probably going to get it. Uh, somebody coughs, oh, I'm going to get it. I mean, you know, before COVID, you cough, you, I mean, you sneeze like a, you know, like a, I mean, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a husband, I'm required by law after being married for 30 years, you sneeze really loud, right? Because, you know, you, the, the longer you're married, you, the louder you sneeze, right? And, uh, and, and so, uh, but, you know, before COVID, you could sneeze just to, and have at it. You go to Lowe's, you sneeze, you know. I mean, you know, you still sneeze in your elbow or whatever, but, you know. But after COVID, you sneeze and everybody's like, you know. I mean, they, they go spray disinfected on you, right? I mean, before that, you know, you could sneeze on a sandwich and nobody care. You know, you just go on. But, but now, nowadays, you sneeze and they just, you know, they put a hazmat suit on. Yeah, why? Because they got these thoughts, right? Oh, you're going to die from this, from this sneeze. And people have been sneezing as long as there have been people, right? That, and so now I have to you know, really crank that sneeze down, you know. And, and, but at home, I let it fly, you know. And so I sneeze and all the cats scatter, you know. You know and so... But, but I think it'd be helpful because Jesus says, if you have this thought of adultery, you've already committed it in your heart, right? Why? It's not, it's not the fleeting, you know, you see a beautiful woman and, and you notice, well, that's a beautiful woman. That's not what he's talking about. 
It's like when you see a beautiful woman, you go, what an upgrade. Wow, I bet we could really get some good stuff going on with her, you know. And I wonder what she's doing Tuesday. See, then, now you're in trouble, right? It's not that, well, that's a beautiful woman. It, it's, it's, I wonder what's under all that. You know, I mean, that's, see, that's adultery, right? You're committing the act of adultery in your heart, right? Now, can anybody see that? Your wife can probably see it, but nobody else can see it, right? You, I mean, you know, a beautiful woman comes around there, your wife's looking at you, right? She always, you can tell, you know, she walks, the pretty woman walks in the door, and your wife's looking at you. She's not looking at the pretty woman. You're looking at the pretty woman, but your wife's looking at you, right, seeing how long you dwell. That was, that was 13 seconds. That would, you know, 12 would have been okay, but 13, you know. Uh, and so, but, but, but where's the limit? Well, that's between you and the Lord, right? I mean, you, you know. Can, is it okay to actually acknowledge, well, that's a beautiful person? Well, yeah, I mean, it's fine, right? It's, the problem is when, when you start undressing the beautiful woman in your mind, or I go, well, you know, uh, and see, then that's the issue, right? Well, where's that line? Well, that's between you and the Lord, right? That's, you know, if you can't do it, then just don't look at him, right? With, you know, and then you get all kinds of weird, people get so weird. Just, we just need to grow up and act like adults, right? Uh, and, and not be undressing everybody that walks in the room, Amen. But women do it too, right? You know, women get together at a restaurant and a, and a handsome man walks in. Ooh, look at that girl. You know, and now just, uh, <laughs> you all aren't any different than men. I mean, you know, uh, and so don't act all pious, right? Oh, we never do that, right? Whatever, right? Are you breathing air? Then you're probably doing it, right? Uh, and so, but it always starts with a thought. The thought is the issue. What are you going to do with that thought? And see, just because you have a thought does not make that who you are. That's the thing you've got to remember. Just because you have a thought, that is not who you are. That may be who you are in a moment, but that's not who God made you. Amen? All of humanity has been corrupted by thoughts. And the thoughts, a lot of times, motivated by the devil because he wants to get you out of the will of God. He wants to get you out of what his perfect desire is. See, so if you follow God, and this is the hardest thing for people to accept, but if you follow God perfectly, your desires are perfectly fine. You don't have a desire to commit adultery. You don't have a desire to steal. You don't have a desire to hurt or to, to wound somebody else. Your desires are perfectly lined up with him, and you're perfectly fine with his rule, with his way of doing things. One man, one woman, that's fine. You're perfectly fine with that, and you're not feeling constrained. You're not feeling oppressed. You know, all these lies that the world tells you, well, you're just a bunch of oppressed people. I'm the freest person you'll ever meet. You know, I'm not oppressed at all. There's no oppression in my life. Well, I just, I just feel constrained in this one relationship. No, there's no constraint in my life at all. I'm perfectly happy and satisfied, amen? And if you follow the perfect will of God, you, that's, who, that's who you become. That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. And so many times we have thoughts and actions that we're doing today that we think are okay. We think are, that's who we are. But see, Hebrew says that the word of God will give you the ability to discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. And so the word of God, if you follow the word of God, because see, the word of God will show you that thought taken to its final end will destroy your life. Now, see, we think it's fine, right? We think it'd be good for us to have a second woman on the side, right? We think that it'd be, it, it's healthy. I'm a healthy male. I can do these things and it's good for me. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. And the word of God will show you that will destroy your life. Well, do you want your life destroyed? Well, it should, it should be okay. See, that's, that's, a, that's what the, it's called the straw man argument. It's not about, it should be okay. Because see, when you're perfectly lined up with God, you'll go, I, wouldn't, I don't want to do that. There's no desire to, to do things outside the will of God. It's not, that, it's not that I'm under constraint. It's I have no desire to rob the bank or to commit adultery or to 
to commit fornication, or I just have no desire to do that. I want to line up, if I'm, when I'm lined up perfectly with the will of God, I'm perfectly satisfied doing His law. I'm not constrained, I'm not being held back, I'm not oppressed. All those are lies that the world tells you, that the church tells you that that's the life that you're living as a Christian, oppressed, you know. I'm not oppressed at all. Freest person you'll ever be. Because see, when you say you have to commit adultery, then you're the one that's in chains. You're the one that's in bondage. You're the one being driven to do something that is, is not uh, a, a valid thing to do. Amen? I'm free to look at that and go, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm, see, I, I, I'm free to choose. People that, that think they're, that they're free, they have no choice. Well, I had to do it. But see, then you're not, you're not really free. I, I look at that and say, I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to do that. That makes me free. Amen? I have a free choice. And so I think it'd be good to just talk about this a little bit more because this is, this is an area where people think that wherever I am right now is perfectly fine. It's not perfectly fine. Does it line up with the Word of God? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, there's changes that have to happen, amen? If you want the fullness of God in your life. Now, if you're satisfied with His grace being frustrated and He's unable to help you as much as He desires to help you, then live that way, amen? I, don't want, to I want everything God wants to have for me. And the more that I line up with the Word of God, I'm freer every day, more free. In fact, Galatians 5.1, the New American Senate Version says, it was for freedom's sake that Christ set you free. He wants you to be the freest you can possibly be. And the only way you can have the perfect freedom is in Christ, in Him. You're not the, you're not the most free when your flesh is doing everything it wants to do. That's when you're most under bondage because you're driven. You, I got to do it. I have to do it. A free person goes, no, I'm not doing that. I choose not to do that. Amen? Uh, and so... So, so Jesus, this, he's throwing a big wrench in their, in their, in their schemes and plots to uh, find loopholes for everything. Amen? Is it a loophole that he was only talking about the men? Not a loophole. Can women also commit adultery in their hearts? 100% women can do it, right? Like, really? That's not really that big of information, right? Surely you could figure that out. Amen? Uh, but see, legalistic people go, he didn't talk about women, so it's fine, right? We can undress all the men and it's fine, right? Uh, and so you might be scared if you, if you well, we won't go that far there, right? But, uh, uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, maybe next week there because if we can get settled in our hearts that, okay, my perfect goal is to follow his perfect law. And if I do that, I'm the freest I could possibly be. And that's true. Even if you don't believe it, it's still true, amen, because that's what he says in his word. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for blessing us, being good to us. And, Father, we thank you that your word is clear. Father, we can follow your word and your plan, and we can be perfectly free in our lives, Father, to follow your plan and desire. And so we thank you for that, Father. Father, we, we, we just so desire us to be filled with your perfect law. You prophesied, Father, so many centuries ago that you would put a... a a heart of flesh. You would take out the stony heart and put a, a heart of flesh in us and then write your laws upon our hearts and to fill us with your spirit. You desired so much, Father, for us to live by your spirit and not by our flesh. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We can do that. We have the ability to do it, Father. And so we appreciate that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And so... Um, all of you who haven't figured out how to rob those Brinks truck, if you want to stay after church, we'll show you all the plans we've got, you know, I've drawn up a few plans, we're never going to act on them, but I've already uh, drawn up all the plans for it, you know, and so, um, but 
Anyway, the Lord is good. Amen. I always think it's funny. People, you know, well, I've never thought that. Really? You know, what, life, what planet do you live on, right? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, but that's why we're all different, right? You know, some people are like, oh, I never have thoughts like that. Really? I mean, you know, of course, maybe it's part of my engineering background. I always think, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a way around it. You know, we can figure out how to do it, right? Uh, and so put it in neutral, just coast down the hill so I don't hear it driving off. I mean, you know, you, you think about all that, right? Uh, and so... Uh, 